you are committed to the journey working out, it will work out. And really just like, you know, everyone talks about your why and all that stuff, but just committing to making it work. Because if you have that 100% responsibility, no matter what attitude, the only thing that's going to happen is that you succeed and you help others along the way. I'm currently a digital nomad, meaning I do not have a home base. I left my lease in San Francisco, and I'm traveling in my backpack through Central America full-time. From the MillennialMarketplace.com, this is the Wi-Fi Work Ethic Podcast, hosted by me, Haley Alicia. During this show, you will hear business trends and news, interviews with awesome entrepreneurs, and learn success mindset practices. This podcast was created with the goal of sharing how you can create your dream life with two things, a Wi-Fi connection and work ethic. If you are obsessed with all things online business and entrepreneurship and how the internet has changed the definition of success like I am, this show is for you. Find this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and at themillennialmarketplace.com. All right, let's get started. Hi, hello. Thank you so much for listening to the Wi-Fi Work Ethic Podcast. One quick reminder before we get into today's episode, we are now also streaming on Spotify. So if that is your streaming service of choice, go ahead and follow us there. Have you ever wondered how you can turn your dreams into reality? Today's guest literally coined the term, dream life is real life. Hannah Hermanson is the founder of Dream Life is Real Life, which educates and inspires by showing people what's possible for their lives. We no longer need to wait for the lottery or retirement to live the dream. Our dream life is our real life. A former academic advisor and yoga teacher, Hannah married her passion for helping others achieve their goals and her coaching practices. Hannah quickly realized that in order to dream big, you need to take care of the most basic need, income. Hannah loves supporting her clients to create simple business plans that can quickly replace salary or income while also doing purposeful work and earning great money. The Dream Life coaching programs have supported thousands of service-based entrepreneurs, teachers, and mentors in creating actionable, simple business models that deliver financial results and personal fulfillment. And the company is committed to helping others achieve their dreams through hiring remote staff and building a legacy of philanthropy. She is a digital nomad, a Forbes Coaches Council member, the host of the Dream Life is Real Life Facebook group and podcast, and she trains middle school students and teachers in her Dream Life Academy. You are not going to want to miss all of the wisdom and advice Hannah shares from her journey and all the amazing things she is doing today. And you will even hear the story of how she snagged her mentor, who you may recognize from The Secret. Yep. You heard that right. You're not going to want to miss any of that. And if you stick to the very end, she has a special gift 
just for listeners of this podcast. All right, here's my interview with Hannah. I like to start by asking, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were younger? Uh, Varied. Um, I remember first telling my dad that I was going to be the first girl president of the United States. Amazing. Um, Yes. (laughs) Still possible, yes. And then when my brother was born, we made up plans to start an orthodontist office together. Uh, That didn't last very long, though, after I learned what orthodontists actually did. Um, and my mom just told us that our orthodontists and dentists made a lot of money. So that's what we, we could look into. Mm-hmm. And then, um, as I became more involved and like realizing my interests and the kind of impact I wanted to make, I wanted to be a teacher. And so I started experimenting with that and I taught English in countries like Cambodia, Nepal, the Dominican Republic, Kenya. And as much as I love the, you know, idea of educating, standing in front of kids all day was not my, uh, my most violent place I learned. (laughs) So in order to stay in education, I ended up landing, um, my first real job, you know, when I quote unquote grew up as an academic advisor, because I really loved college and working with college kids, and I could still be a part of education without, you know, wiping noses or seeing the days of the week every single day. (laughs) Um, So did you go to school for that, or what steps did you have to take to become an academic advisor? Yeah, so my undergraduate degree is in psychology, and I did a lot of work as an undergraduate student to mentor my peers, to work as a resident assistant, kind of like a house mom for college kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that helped me get my first job as an academic advisor. Awesome. And so today, if you like meet someone on the street and they just say, hey, what do you do? What's your answer? people realize that their dream life is their real life. (laughs) So I still see myself as an educator in a lot of ways. I am a coach and an entrepreneur and a philanthropist. And so my organization has a lot of likes to it, Mm -hmm. all with a mission to help empower, inspire, and educate students of all ages to step into their dream life and create a life that they love as opposed to fitting into a box that they heard they should. So awesome. I'm so happy we're talking um, because when you reached out to me and I looked into what you do and your mission, it it felt so right, especially for this show, because my whole thing here is, you know, showing and giving examples and sharing the stories of people who are taking advantage of this time we're living in right now where you can really turn your passion into income. And that is exactly what you're about. And I love it. So how did you how did you fall into that? And when did you start realizing that that's the time we're living in? And and talk about your transition from that corporate life um, into what you're Mm. doing now. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. You are living in a time that you can monetize your passions. So when I really came to terms with that, I think, you know, so let me take a step back. I was working as an academic advisor, yet I realized that um, that wasn't that wasn't it for me. I was repeating myself to college students every half hour, giving them literally 
literally a worksheet of, you know, 50 choices for the rest of your life. What's your major going to be? Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't in alignment with my idea that, you know, there, there's more out there for me and the students. So I tried a lot of things. And while I was still working that full-time job, I started a network marketing company. I became a yoga instructor. And I also helped found a startup in Madison, Wisconsin, that was helping bring yoga into local classrooms. So by teaching teachers how to bring mindfulness and stretching into their classrooms. That was super interesting and exciting. And that was really what gave me the first sense of, like, entrepreneurship. The other founders didn't have full-time jobs, and they were working from coffee shops and talking about how to bring play into lesson plans and really this combination of things I was passionate about, and they were making business out of it. So we grew very fast in the first couple of years of that startup, and I was eventually offered a full-time job that would replace my salary. Not exactly my health care plan, which was, you know, an issue for my mother, and some other millennials may relate to. Like, how are you going to pay for health care if you don't have a state job or, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, pension plan, all of those things. I went for it, though. And part of the growth of the startup at that time was to bring it into the San Francisco Bay Area, and that was selected go to San Francisco and work on the team out there, which I don't know if anyone listening has ever made like a big move. Um, it's really thrilling and it makes you kind of look at the world very differently. Like anything really is possible, like you said. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> one month after I quit everything, I moved out of my hometown, I landed in San Francisco, the most expensive city in the world. Um, the startup couldn't afford me any longer. So here I was, a girl with five bags and a bunch of dreams and a lot of faith that this startup and this lifestyle was was it. This is going to be my life. I I found a way to monetize my passions. Yet it was still on someone else's terms. And the team and the organization we had built wasn't, wasn't totally in my control. And so I decided to give myself at least six months, I said. I, I can't go back to a cubicle. I can't go back to Wisconsin because it's winter, and I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in sunny California. Let's let's see what I can make possible. And so really that, you know, do or die kind of time in my life of, like, you have no job. You, ha- you have no choice to, like, figure it out really motivated me to start investing in business strategy for a personal as my own self, not like mm-hmm. an entrepreneur in a startup, um, but to start investing in courses and other mentors and books and personal development to eventually lead me down the life coaching path. Mm-hmm. And as a life coach, I realized the thing that keeps us stuck or the thing that keeps us, um, you know, like you said, kind of um, unaware almost is not being able to earn our own money. Mm-hmm. which was true for me, and then it was also true for my clients. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on monetizing everyone's passion projects. <laughs> so now I work with entrepreneurs who want to monetize their passions as well as middle school students. And a part of my organization 
takes the dream life principle into schools and helps middle schoolers start thinking about like what passions do you want to pursue and helping them from a young age realize that there isn't just one path to success. I love that. And that's so amazing. And honestly, a little bit surprising that you've been able to get into that younger education space, because I feel like Mm. even though it's becoming so much more, there's so much more awareness and so much more success stories. um, I feel like the traditional education is still very afraid of, of opening up this route to children and um, letting them see there's another way. And in my experience, it's not until most people reach college that they realize what, you know, the things they're learning and the things they're being told are going to happen. They don't like it. And then they realize there's another path. So that's so awesome that you are able to kind of at least give these kids that option to even just start thinking that way. Was it hard to get into the education space? Well, you're so right. It's exactly my experience. And the reason why, well, there's a few reasons why I'm focusing on middle schoolers. First of all, but even by the time I got into high school, and a lot of traditional American kids get into high school, it's already that what your AP schedule look like. What advanced classes are you taking? Are you going to get a 5.0 on a 4.0? You know, it's just like in that traditional path of success um, is challenging even at the high school do I do I choose going to shop class or going to AP kinesiology and applied physics mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's not much um, adaptability like you said right now in the the school system mm-hmm. so part of that was okay middle school is a great time before we get into that rat race which is ridiculous because to start when we're 12 I right. guess uh, and then also um, a lot of my network is connected to middle school. So my partner and a lot of the folks I was working with in that startup, educators and yoga, had a good sense of middle schoolers' curriculum and network. And I think whatever dream you have, focusing on the low-hanging fruit, for lack of a better term, right? Like mm-hmm. I had in middle school. And so I started my my ideas there and it's grown um, to, you know, more places than I had at the beginning. I think that's a really great lesson to share here though. It's like, even if you think you have a hard niche or a hard market or, oh, no one needs this or wants this or it's too hard to make a reform or to sell my course to single moms, like start with where you are, you know, get to know some real folks in your network and see who can help you because I found that, you know, amplifying your connections, starting just where you're at, is a really fast way to expanding your ideas. I love that you said that because I think it's um, not, not frustrating, but um, kind of stressful for people starting out because a lot of people who have already found success are very heavy on teaching niche down, niche down, niche down, which is so important. It really is. But I think that also creates some fear in those who are starting that, well, what if I don't know who that is yet? And what if I do know who I want my niche to be, but I don't have access to them yet? And so I think what you're saying and there. And I could yeah. help everyone. I don't want to just help one person. Everyone needs me. <laughs> That's another thing I hear. Yeah. I'm not wanting to get so specific. That's scary. Totally. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be really awesome for others to hear coming from you that 
just start where you can start and you'll eventually find your way to that person you really want to talk to, but you're not going to get there if you don't talk to anyone. So I think that's so valuable. Um, yeah, every conversation is one conversation closer to mm-hmm. your next client or mm-hmm. to your next big break. And another thing I offer clients or I suggest to people is even if you don't know, like, okay, well, education or middle schoolers or entrepreneurs, like, who do you like? Who do you enjoy talking to and working mm-hmm. with? Because that's the even precursor step. Because if you start just thinking like, okay, I'll focus on corporate burnt out people. Like what if that's not fun for you? (laughs) And so another question to ask yourself besides who do I know is like, who do I like? Who do I want to be spending my time and energy with? Yeah. I think another great place to start also is who do I know I don't want to work with? Yeah. Because I think especially when someone's starting from square one, there can be all those options out there. But even if you could reverse it and and just start by, okay, who do I know I definitely can't connect with and I know I won't enjoy being with. But also at the same time, mm-hmm. like you're saying, sometimes if you have an opportunity, you might have to put that aside and still just start anyway. Even if you know in the end that's not exactly where you want to be, you're at least starting. Exactly. Yeah, I did not start working with hundreds of middle schoolers, right? Like, I started as a life coach actually helping people with eating disorders because that's another part of my story. And it will evolve when you follow the joy. And you will learn, like you said, who you don't like or what's not good for your soul. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And just choose choose a joy along the path. So I want to go back to a second to that moment you said when that startup, it just didn't work out. And you found yourself in a new, big, expensive city, um, and you pretty much just had to go to hustle mode. What were, like, your first steps into figuring out where you were going to go from there and how you were going to make this um, dream life your life, as you say? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm so grateful that in the the line of work I had, I mean, I mentioned I started a network marketing business, became a yoga teacher, the startup. Like, along the way, I was connected with an amazing mentor, Jack Canfield. Have you heard of him? I have heard of him. I don't know too much okay, about him, so, though. He wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul and The Success Principles and is now, like, a... a I wouldn't say close friends, but like, you know, share happy birthday messages. He's is a great, he, great mentor of mine. And one of the things the one... he teaches and instilled in me is to take 100% responsibility for your life and your results. Mm-hmm. And so as easy as it would have been to blame and fight and sue, <laughs> actually, this startup, I decided, okay, this is my time. I'm going to take 100% responsibility. I have nothing but opportunity. I have nothing but room for growth right now. Um, So I definitely had to, like, work on that mindset of, like, this is my life. I can make it whatever I want now. And then, interestingly, I felt pretty alone in San Francisco just having been there for a month, less than. And so I turned to Facebook and I actually didn't even have a Facebook in college. I was like the anti-girl <laughs> media. No, there, like, you know, I'll see you guys at the cafeteria. <laughs> Yet, I found myself in a position where I was like, all right, everyone is on there. <laughs> I'm alone. 
I went to Facebook, and this was 2016. So the uprising of Facebook groups was pretty new. And I started joining some, you know, some yoga teacher groups and then some entrepreneur groups. And then I was like, I'm just going to start my own <laughs> and invite the people I want to, you know, follow my journey. And that has become a pivotal piece of my business model now. Yet at the time, it was really great to get feedback, support, share my ideas. And, um, yes, yeah, those are two of the main things that I leaned upon, taking 100% responsibility and starting a Facebook group. <laughs> awesome. Um, going back just one second, is he your mentor? Is he the one who's in the secret? Yes. Awesome. That, yeah, because all about the law of attraction. That's amazing. So, how did you get connected with him? Yes. So, another principle he talks about is being an ask hole. Like, <laughs> ask, ask, ask. Love it. <laughs> so, I, um, I read his book. I did a lot of the work. I shared it with a lot of people, and I started going to conferences of and workshops of people that worked with him or part of his organization. And that I grew my network in the sort of Kingfield <laughs> family, as they call it. And, um, I mean, fast forward, I'm now training to be one of his trainers. And it all came by just, um, you know, asking, who's teaching these principles in my area? Who knows about this? Who has tickets? <laughs> and, I mean, a little bit fangirl <laughs> and also a lot committed to um, – just because I knew his book was so valuable for me and I wanted to build my business and my life around a lot of what he taught. So I figured out how to get, you know, six degrees closer and then six degrees closer. <laughs> right, right. That's awesome. Okay, so you do a ton of different things. So what does a typical day look like for you? How do you split up all of your different projects and things you have going on um like what it was yeah what does a typical day look like for you oh my gosh I'm so glad you're asking me this today because <laughs> if you had asked me last week I would have been I don't know I'm in <laughs> Cuba I don't have wi-fi I slept until 11 on accident <laughs> so I'm currently a digital nomad meaning I do not have a home base. I left my lease in San Francisco, and I'm traveling in my backpack through Central America full-time. Um, so I'm actually stationed in Guatemala for the next couple of months, so I have started to come up with like a day-to-day -day routine. Yet I have to tell you that it's much more about strategy, like how do I balance all of these things? How about this strategy bit more than like every day at 8 a.m. I have a green smoothie and then at 9 I go to yoga. <laughs> some days that's true and some days I'm, you know, recovering from jet lag. So when people ask me this question, I have to just give a shout out to my team and mentors because this is really how I, I do manage all of the roles. It's by delegating. It's by doing that being an asshole thing. <laughs> and asking people to help and give feedback. So my partner, um, I mentioned he used to be a middle school teacher. He's not in the classroom anymore. He's working full-time for the Dreamlines is Real Life organization. So he does a lot on the education front, and he has a lot of connections and people he's working with to help us reach more kids and improve our curriculum. And 
I mean, we eat dinner, we live, <laughs> we do a lot of things together. So mm-hmm. we're able to kind of compare notes throughout the day as it seems natural. And as far as, you know, coaching, I just schedule my clients during certain days or times of the week. So every day does really look pretty different. Um, and then I have other folks on the team just helping me do logistics. Like I don't enjoy doing taxes or math or code on my website so those are things that I I delegate so that I can focus on coaching my clients and supporting my partner in the curriculum development and then just exploring the world and thinking of new ideas awesome I think becoming a digital nomad is like the ultimate goal for a lot of people who are getting into online entrepreneurship but what what have you learned through that experience and what advice would you give someone if that is their goal um, or just like, what have you learned from that experience? Not necessarily having one place that you live and work, but just working wherever you're at in the moment. Oh my gosh. Yes. Do we have three more hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much, so much. It was definitely the dream for me. And, you know, even my partner who, again, was used to working full time, loved his job as a teacher, like who wouldn't love to take some time out of your life to just travel and just see what is out there. So I also talked to a lot of people who have a similar goal or dream, and it's totally possible. Like I've gotten here in less than a year, and it's beyond our dreams. Yet there are things that I didn't consider, which you're definitely <laughs> alluding to. So the first thing that was most shocking and stressful for me was the quality of internet. I'm used to having really reliable Wi-Fi, and even this interview had to be rescheduled a couple of times because it's just not the same other places. And so being prepared to have patience and to get resourceful, not just on internet, but a lot of things, um, being a digital nomad, it is not... um, it is not predictable. <laughs> like, you know, when you travel, or when I used to travel this for vacation, it was amazing to just go off the grid and not have a schedule and just go with the flow. Yet, I highly encourage anyone who is looking to balance working while traveling to create some sort of weekly schedule and have the expectation that you're still working <laughs> and finding Wi-Fi might need to be your first priority before finding the cheapest beer and tacos. Um, and I had that backwards at first. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other piece of it is to definitely have a team because there are times when you uh, want to take a couple of days to go to the ruins in the area you're visiting and it's, difficult to maintain momentum if you're constantly on and offline in momentum out of momentum and a team is the best way to keep that consistency in your business um even if you don't feel it in your your daily routine so how many people are on your team and what different things do they do yeah so my partner mac is a curriculum developer he does a lot of the management with schools and booking travel as well because we do travel to schools and then obviously we just travel because we love it um he's also really he used to teach english so he does some proof reading um and then i have a woman her name is dawn and dawn manages the website so she makes sure there's no kinks or 
I, I really don't exactly know what Dawn does, but I know <laughs> that she keeps us looking professional online. And if something goes berserk, she's she's there rewriting and rewiring things. Um, and she also helps me do research and come up with ideas for relevant blog posts that the internet and my community will really love. So I have an assistant who does a lot of the bookkeeping as well as scheduling for me, which is just, again, something I don't love to do. And then I have a couple of other team members who talk to potential clients. So get to know folks who are looking for support in growing their online business, monetizing their passion projects, and seeing you know what a good next step for them is, whether that is buying my book or watching an online video or working with me one-on-one or like going to read Jet Canfield's book. <laughs> They're really amazing at they're sort of resource directors because uh, I really focus on, you know, chatting on the phone with uh, my clients. Mm-hmm. So kind of jumping off of all of that, what are your thoughts on work-life balance? Because I am kind of of the belief that it's all work all the time and all life all the time. And you have to personally find mm-hmm. where you prioritize within there. How do you look at that? Yeah, I remember working full-time and feeling like, oh, it was that was a real challenge. That was a real topic I thought about. You know, when do I make time for myself? When do I make time for my friends? Work. And now I feel like I'm, it's cliche as it sounds, it's, I'm really in a work-life blend. I mentioned, you know, my partner and I, we're in our passion projects. And we love talking about new ideas. And it's not like, okay, it's Saturday, no talking about work. It's like, hey, like, what about this new idea? And it comes much more naturally as opposed to trying to say, like, today we're not talking about work or today is, um, you know, my one family day of the week. It really is a blend. Yet that comes from intention. So every Sunday I write down a list of five to seven priorities and roles that I'm playing and I make sure that they are integrated into my week. So I'm kind of type A and I do set aside some color coded time on my Google calendar to make sure that I am still, you know, practicing yoga and taking care of my physical body and spirit. And I am like going on dates with my partner and I am calling my mom um, because otherwise I just, I feel like I'm in, a state of flow. Does that resonate at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, do you think that you would be on this path um, of entrepreneurship if the internet and social media and everything that that brings wasn't around? Like if, if the internet never really took off and really all we used it for was maybe looking up things, where do you think, where do you think you'd be at if, if it wasn't what it is. Mm-hmm. That is such an amazing question. I think that's something that millennials don't think about <laughs> where we take all of these, you know, technologies in this era, um, just as it could be the only reality sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I will say that, um, from a young age, you know, wanting to be the first female president and taking leadership roles and, you know, teaching English in foreign countries, I had a sense in me that I, I did want to do things a bit differently, a bit 
unconventionally, if you will. And although my first drought was very conventional, I couldn't stand it for very long. So there's something within me that believes that I would have found a different way of living and being. And like I said, I wasn't on Facebook for that long. And my business doesn't only depend on social media or the internet. I do a lot of in-person speaking events. And like I mentioned, workshops at of schools. So sure, I would sure hope that I'd be somewhere close to this, mm-hmm. um, probably with a lot less headaches of staring at the screen <laughs> and probably a lot more in-person events, workshops, classes. Awesome. I like that you pointed out that your business doesn't um, solely rely on social media because I think some, even as awesome as social media is, I think sometimes people really take it for granted and just use it as their sole um, place for their business. And you can really tell sometimes, especially when people start complaining about the algorithm or this or that. Mm. Um, uh, I think more people need to realize that when, when you put your business on social media, you don't have control over that and it could disappear tomorrow. And it's such a great tool for marketing and for audience building and for, for relationship building. But I like that you pointed out that, you know, you would still have most of your business without social media. And I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And that was intentional for me after working for a startup that I put a lot of trust in. I realized the only thing I own is me and my, you know, response, like chutzpah, if -hmm. you will. And yeah, I've seen changes on Facebook and Instagram and even email marketing strategy. And that's why I've been committed to, you know, owning owning my business and not letting someone else dictate the ebbs and flows. And two ways to do that. Number one is to diversify your strategy so that you are, you know, showing up in many places. And then number two is like being a real person and doing some in-person events, reaching out to your warm market. Like we talked about when you were just getting started. So it's not just your Facebook friends or Facebook group who know what you're doing yet. It's like real people in real life. know as well. Awesome. Okay. So now I'm going to ask you about three favorites. So the first one is, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you find yourself always coming back to? So this is going to sound cliche. Dream life is real life is the name of my organization. Yes. It's also my favorite quote, my favorite mantra. And it's something that I became infamous for saying, and this was really when I was starting to get the taste of entrepreneurship. And I would say, like, is this real life? If we can work in a coffee shop and just talk about what we love and people will pay us? People, like, yeah, dream life is real life. <laughs> and, you know, that's what I ended up naming the organization. It just, it means a lot to me. And I hope other people can understand that if you can dream it, you can do it. And the only thing holding you back is you. I love it. No shame in loving your own quote. That's, it's an amazing one. It's an okay. amazing one. It's okay, cool. <laughs> so second, and we kind of already talked about this, but your favorite books or resources that um, you can you can look at your business today and know that you took lessons or value from those things and have applied it in your life today. Yeah, I have to give a nod to Jack Canfield and the Success <laughs> Principles. Definitely. I already mentioned that. And then also you heard the other steps. It's like, who, 
who's doing this work? Who is living his principles before giving to him? And so having mentorship and working with people who I see doing the things I want to be doing or at the level I want to be at is a hundred percent. You know, I, I want to take responsibility for my life, but I also have to give a hundred percent of credit to the people who have held my hand because it isn't just, you know, take action and it works out as I'm sure a lot of people listening can understand. So the success principles and mentorship. Awesome. And then the, your last favorite I want to know your favorite failure. So something that at the time felt like such a failure, but looking back where you're at now, you realize that actually launched you into something better or taught you a valuable lesson. Mm, yeah, we didn't talk about this much today. I sort of alluded to the fact that I had an eating disorder for most of my college career. And it, it felt like a failure because I was very unhealthy. Uh, I was, I mean, we don't need to get into the details. Ultimately, I went to therapy, though. And, you know, I don't want to say therapy is a failure. Yet I had gotten myself to a place where it was kind of another do-or-die time mm -hmm. where I needed to get real and do some hard work to get out of the hole I had gotten into. And I distinctly remember sitting on my therapist chair, and this is after, like, three months of going, to therapy and hearing the same thing. Hannah, you got to just slow down. You're okay just as you are. Love yourself. All this BS. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I was still thinking, like, I, I'm fine. I'll fix this myself. Like, everyone else is crazy. And so she's going on and on with the same, same BS. And I, was like, I stopped her and I said, why is everyone trying to stunt me? Like, I finally, finally mm. found something I'm good at, and everyone's slowing me down, telling me to stop, and this, this is my thing, exercising and counting calories, this is my thing. And the therapist looked at me very unfazed and said, Hannah, is that how you want to be remembered? Wow. Running half marathons and eating carrots? That's powerful. Oh, yeah, and that was a question that started me into that, you know, teaching English, Kenya, and all these places, and really out on a path for, like, what is the bigger meaning? What is the impact and the contribution I want to make in the world? Um, and was a big turning point in my life. That's awesome that you were able to walk away from that and, and really realize that for yourself. That's, that's really awesome. Um, and just like everything we're talking about today, it was a roller coaster, right? But that, right, that's you know, that failure that led to the question of like, how do you want to be remembered mm -hmm. definitely changed my path. <laughs> no, that's definitely a simple question that will really put things in perspective. Um, and that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Hmm. Um, so what is exciting you in your business right now? Do you have anything exciting coming up or anything you're looking forward to or working on that's gotten you really excited? Definitely, definitely. So, what time? I, I what time of the year is this airing? Because it's fall time right now. Yeah, will so, it be live soon? Yes, it will next okay. week actually. So we are in current time. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. So September is starting. Oh, so many good things that come with September. I still get that like back to school excitement, uh -huh. <laughs> even though I'm not in school anymore. And we've got some great work happening in schools this year, some new and improved curriculum, some new partnerships that I know middle schoolers are 
going to enjoy more. <laughs> Middle schoolers are a tough crowd, but I know <laughs> this is going to be really great for them. Um, and then also the um, the work that I do with entrepreneurs is expanding a lot. I'm opening up a mastermind because they are so powerful for especially new entrepreneurs. And um, doing some speaking events, even one on a cruise upcoming. Okay. So just, um, yeah, continuing to do that sort of diversifying of my business and seeing more and more students of all ages join us is very exciting. That is all very exciting. Um, all right. So I think I kind of want to wrap it up with what is what I mean, this whole thing has pretty much been advice, but if someone is starting out today and they don't know where to start, like what is that main piece of advice you would give someone getting into entrepreneurship right at the beginning? Definitely. I think the very first thing is to buckle up <laughs> and know that it's going to be a journey. And if you are committed to the journey working out, it will work out. And really just like, you know, everyone talks about your why and all that stuff, but just committing to making it work. Because if you have that 100% responsibility, no matter what attitude, the only thing that's going to happen is that you succeed and you help others along the way. So definitely just buckling up, getting excited, being open to learning and failing and trying again. And then aligning yourself with the five to ten people that you want to be like and eliminating negative talk and really focusing on how you want it to be and learning from those who, who are there. Love it. So where can you be reached? Where do you hang out on the Internet? Where can people work with you? And I'll have it all linked down below as well. Um, but, yeah, where can people find you? Perfect. So my website, www.dreamlifeisreallife.com, has a lot of stuff. If you do slash gift, dreamlifeisreallife.com slash gift, you can get a free video training where I go into more detail about what are the routines and the systems that I'm implementing in order to be growing a business of many facets, even while uh, traveling. Also, my Instagram is super fun, and you can see more of the travel and the lifestyle stuff, of course, and that is dreamlife underscore real life. And I don't always do this, but I know this community is go-getting and inspiring. So if you would like to just send me a personal note, my email is hannah, H-A-N-N-A, at dreamlifeisreallife.com, and I would just love to hear what you're working on and get to know you personally that way. Awesome. That's amazing that you opened yourself up like that. And I hope anyone listening um, will take advantage of that because it's not every day that you get to have, you know, that direct access to people that are killing it in their business and having success. So um, I think we talked about a lot of great stuff. Was there anything else you wanted to mention or talk about? No, I just think that listeners need to remember that you are ready <laughs> and taking those first steps onto the journey is you know the time is now so let's make your dream life you realize love it all right well thank you hannah so much for talking with me thank you so much i'll all see right. you later i'll talk thanks. to you later thanks <laughs> bye, bye.